and welcome to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast for three dungeon masters who've been doing this for way too long. Talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. Hi, I'm Tony. I'm Chris. You're my soul and my inspiration. You're all I got to get me by. You're my soul and my inspiration. Without you, baby, what good am I? What good am I? Beautiful vocal rendition there. Right. Why I didn't have to do it. <laughs> Bill Bedley, dude, from Righteous Brothers, like, just, yeah, deal. The dude's a gorgeous <laughs> voice. I still think, I don't know, Tony can call me out, but I think that might have been a repeat. I might have used that at some point, but it was like uh, 100 episodes. Maybe, ago. like, so that what, point, episode 33? <laughs> after 100 episodes, I... Yeah, it bears I, repeating. It bears repeating. You're my soul and inspiration by the Righteous Brothers, obviously. Hello, everyone. DM Dave. The Rock and Roll DM. Fun episode today. We actually are going to be talking about, uh, this is a bounce off of uh, Mike Shea over at Sly Flourish, a fellow wise DM. Give us a call, Mike. Seriously. Come on. The wise. Come on. Um, but no, he sent out a really cool article about changing over inspiration. Uh, how Other ways to utilize DM inspiration and things like that. And he pointed out to, uh, from the Cobalt Press guys, the Lux system from their Tales of the Valiant uh, RPG. So the way it kind of works here is the luck system, every time a character misses an attack or a saving throw, they gain one luck point. They can hold up to five luck points. So if they gain a sixth one, they roll a D4, and that's how many luck points they now have. So it's a very finite resource. And now you can spend one of those luck points to get a plus one to a D20 roll after they roll. And they can spend three luck points to re-roll a D20 check. So, in essence, they can use those luck points for DM inspiration. But it's something that's constantly going. It's also, as he pointed out in the article, a great way to make it so when you miss, it doesn't just suck. Like, you're getting something out of that. You're getting some sort of experience that you can utilize for that, whatever it might be. So, we thought it'd be fun to start talking about inspiration but also some of the ways we have changed mechanics in the game or alternated them to try to bring something more to the system or to game it out. So I'm going to throw it out. What do you guys think? I think it's an interesting concept. Uh, when you're offering in-game rewards that are custom, you really have to read the room. Like, for example, Dave was doing a game, and yes, I'm going to mention this, where he did Marvel last night, and he was throwing around five mm. karma as an award for someone who used a special character's catchphrase. I'm going to I'm gonna introduce this. Sorry, Tony. I totally stole that from Professor Bill over at Comic Book University. If you haven't and you're into Facebook, go check out his YouTube channel. He's pretty awesome. But, yeah, he, he just gives out five karmas. Awesome. And I thought that was a neat idea in the moment, like, hey, Captain America was acting like Captain America. You know, Jessica Jones was quoting something from the show. But and I think that was very well received. But, of course, the flip side of this, what exactly can I do with five karma? Like if I do two really cool catchphrases, then I could then activate one. I can initiate one draw against your karma. I know some people don't really have experience with face rip, but it, that's not – it's not necessarily swaying anything in the terms of like getting it. It's like you handed out an advantage that would definitely have had moments where you could have turned that around. So 
you're creating any form or utilizing any form of um, custom uh, boons, yeah, you have to really have a good feel on what tables, how they're going to receive that. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think the one thing that the luck system really does well is that it's hard to remember to, well, number one, give out inspiration to your players and for your players to use it, right? Like playing in a bard, it's like the bane of your existence. It's like you hand out an inspiration, right? And then you have to wait. You're like, oh, God, I hope they remember that they have it. And then you have to remember that they have it so you can remind them that they have it and stuff like that. But uh, the other thing I like about it, too, is that it's like uh, there's been nights where guys are just rolling bad, right? And no. sometimes the roll of the dice, you have good nights, you have bad nights. But there's times this one, the luck system, like it kind of inoculates you against having a really horrible night, right? Like if your buddy is just blowing it up, the luck system means he's going to be able to add enough pluses in there to be able to get some hits so he doesn't leave the table feeling like complete crap, right? I mean, the die, you know, good night, bad night, it happens, but I think this system does a good job of handling that where inspiration is a bit more difficult to keep track of. This one is you're engaged as a player to want to keep track of this because it has a very tangible reward on roles, you know, all the time. I would agree with that, Chris. I would add to that actually too, in that because and it's it's attack rolls and saving throws too. So like both of those suck and they have you know uh, crappy uh, crappy consequences that happen. But one of the things it does, which we see in some other mechanics too, which go away from the earlier days of the system where it was all about the DM and you ran the whole thing. You it was your world. You were God. All of that to a level that I can still hand out DM inspiration, but that's me handing it out to you. That puts it all onto, I can do that, right? Tony, similar to the karma thing, I'm still handing out karma in the Marvel game too. I mm. decide how much karma you get or lose depending on what happens. And that five that five karma bone, it's yeah, it's like throwing some change at somebody, but it gives them some like, ooh, I did something. Let me, really do, more, let me do more things, right? So I... I I saw like just not to get too lost in the weeds here, but I saw like I was saying Professor Bill doing it during a a session he was running in the Marvel system, and I was like, oh that's fun. It creates a level of oh I want to do more things in character. I want to immerse myself, especially since you guys were playing uh, established characters. But to with the luck system, what it does is it takes some of the onus off of the DM, but it also takes some of the ability off the DM and gives it to the mechanic of the game. So when you roll a die and you miss an attack or a saving throw, I have no call on that if I'm running the game. It just happens. So it doesn't have this this power. It 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 decreases some of the power differential between the DM and the players, right? So it kind of evens the playing field. Like the game itself is providing this. Uh, with this said, we have not utilized the luck system yet, but uh, when I read it, I was like, ooh, this is definitely something I might want to introduce at some point in one of the campaigns. But I like that, that it kind of removes some of that power differential. So I kind of want to discuss discussing uh, inspirations. You know, as raw, you can't stack them. What do you guys think about that? Because, you know, like, for example, I'm holding an inspiration, right? And then it's like, all right, I did something cool. And, like, Chris is like, all right, and you got inspiration. And I'm like, yes, I still have one inspiration. That is fantastic. Should they stay? I, I think, and this kind of goes into the whole having to manage inspiration is it's a, 
it's a powerful resource. It's a re-roll of the die, right? So you don't want to give a player too many of them because then it takes any danger of me missing out. Oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to use another one of my inspiration that I backlogged over the years, right? I have a whole bunch of catchphrases, right? Like I'm studying in between sessions. So I think it's like, clobbering time. Yeah, like a lot of the ways, like, Excelsior. yeah, like I don't really give out inspiration. I have a hard time remembering to give it out. It's a weird, you know, it's a weird mechanic for me. I'm busy doing other things. So a lot of times I, I do what I would say, like this instant inspiration. I'm like, oh, like, you know what? Roll that with advantage. Like, I think we all do it at some time. Sometimes it's a level of this person sort of knows it. And sometimes it's like, hey, you know what? Roll that with advantage because something about the situation i want to give you a little bit of inspiration there and that's much easier to manage is that it's an instantaneous thing i just oh, and there's me you know heat of the moment i'm like oh roll an advantage they roll advantage they don't have to track it i don't have to keep track of it it kind of uh it rolls a little bit better than um having to you know constantly keep track of the stuff even though you could you, raw you're only allowed to have one even change that boulder's gate i think i have about three inspiration based upon things that my party members do. So they kind of go with the pool system a bit. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I absolutely, you guys know, uh, I started it in Curse of Strahd. Uh, I've continued it in Dragonlance where DM inspiration absolutely stacks in my games. There is a limit to it, Chris, as you had said, like, I, I think I cap it around like, I, I want to say maybe five, even something like that. I don't really keep track of it though. Cause what you'll notice if you do allow stacking of, of inspiration is they're going to use it. So they're going to remember so that they kind of, they're going to utilize those. And for me, similar to, this is funny just because last night we did the Marvel game. So now we're going to keep making analogies to this. But as you guys went through the different scenes and I built it into chapters for the one shot, I gave a certain level of karma after the, the penultimate one going into the finale, I rewarded a hundred karma which is a pretty big boon in a game like that because, and one of the players who's actually very new to D and D uh, Courtney in the all girls game, she jumped in and, and, uh, and just started playing Marvel too. She already, she realized, I said, okay, that's a hundred karma. And she said, Oh, the next one's going to be really hard. Like, so she had, already, <laughs> she had already found the little thing that like, I'm giving you some boons because you're going to use it. And with inspiration like that, stacking them, I'm not too worried about that because there's a lot of rolling going on uh, in all in exploration, in social encounters, in combat that you're going to be blowing through those. And what that can allow to do is to open up the cylinders a little more on what you're throwing at the party because they have resources that they can they can dig down deep into and utilize. And one roll, one re-roll uh, is powerful, but I don't think it's it's so game-breaking that it's um that you can't have a couple of them for me, you know. I have to agree with you. So the question is, are we talking about a mechanic that you're going to allow you to stack a bunch of things and then allow you to try, like, particularly in first and second edition, there was the opportunity to do preposterous stunts. Like, the, someone would be, like, doing, there would be an absolutely literally impossible shot. And be, the, the player would be like, well, what's my negative? And I'd be like, he's down the hall. You're shooting blind. You're going to have to ricochet your arrow off of two walls to hit him. And he'd be like, assign me a negative. And I'm like, minus <laughs> 12. I hit a negative five armor class. Did I hit him? 
Well, yes, you did, son of a bitch. <laughs> you ricocheted an arrow off of two walls on a target you couldn't see, and you shot him right in through the kneecap, and now he can't be a guard anymore. But so that's, so wild, that's so wildly heroic, right? Like, something like that. That's a great story. Really? It, it, yes, it is a great story, but, like, the, like the, the preposterous, it's like opening a, a door that's locked with, like, a nuclear bomb. Like, it gets really carried away incredibly quickly. Now, like, when I was playing last night, we got, like, what? How many players did we have? Six, seven? Eight. Eight. Right. So I'm waiting for my turn, and I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to blast uh, one of these guys. I have a ranged attack. And I'm like, and I missed. So if I had inspiration, yeah, you know what? A little bit of manipulation for that to, as you would say, open up the cylinders. I don't have a problem with that because, you know, it keeps you, you know, you're, you're it's like, hey, I just waited seven minutes for this ten minutes to go around, and I missed. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> next. And that's that's those stories where you you get to use that inspiration you had, you had reserved it, and it's right at the right time, and you re-roll it, and boom. Or you which, re-roll it, and it sucks, and then that's also a story. Which but, is literally what karma is. It allows you to dig into your pool, manipulate a die roll, and give you that successful opportunity for an attack roll or a saving throw when you need it. Like I was going to talk about, like, uh, like the pool of inspiration idea, like the party Baldur's Gate does it a little bit, I believe in the Lord yeah. of the Rings thing. They have a fellowship points, which basically is a shared pool of inspiration. But maybe the idea is even an inspiration itself, re-rolling the dice while it increases the statistical chance of you doing something. It's not like karma. Karma is a bit of a different beast that has a tangible effect on some things like I can add this many points to this. I have a a pool of it. I mean, if you could take something like that and bring that in, it's another set of points you have to manage, but that would work even better than inspiration more towards what like Tony's talking about, where I can affect this role. I know that I needed to roll an 18 to hit him and I rolled a 12 and I have 12 karma points. I spend a six or whatever to get up to it. Boom. I hit him this time. And it's that heroic thing. It's like, you know, it's more than an extra inspiration. It's a heroic chance at it where I can uh, overcome the odds. It does. It that Something like that, which is actually, that's kind of, that's fun. Because that's, that's almost like a, a, a build off of this luck system thing too. But yeah, that pool of it where you're not just, because you can re-roll it. I mean, how many times have we re-rolled? We have two nat ones, we have two nat 20s and everything in between. Aren't we on roll 20? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it happens all the time. But if you had a very limited finite resource of luck points, let's say like with with the uh, Cobalt Press idea, but you built off of it even further. And yeah, that idea of not just re-rolling, but tangibly changing fates by moving the number. It's almost like divination wizard feel, right? Uh, Like I feel like the divination has a, a, a bit of that from when Matt was playing. Uh, playing it in the Tuesday Nighters. Yeah, where he would just be like, no, you actually rolled a four. Like, that was really fun, <laughs> um, depending on how you use it, you know? But with that... Uh, ooh, so, you missed, sorry. With the, uh, with the inspiration, so one of the things, so not just DN inspiration, but Chris, you were saying right in the very top about the bard, because the bard is kind of like the basis of inspiration, right? I mean, uh-huh. it's built right into the class itself. Uh, I don't know if it was back in... First edition, when they first came out with the board, where you had to be like 17 different classes, all of level 15 or higher. We don't talk about that. And then you had to, I don't know, you then had to like hunt the Royal Griffin nouns. Like, it was so. <laughs> it was actually harder than that. 
to become a fighter. I don't know any fighter who would actually do that. They'd always yeah, like, I don't feel do. like the Scarlet Pimpernel was like literally Superman. Like he just had a flute. Like I'm not sure where your not archetype is coming from, guys. Well, you know? 1E classes actually made a whole lot of sense to be fair. And I yeah. loved 1E. So, with that we, said, I still, one day, I would really love Tony to run like a, you know, a five or ten uh, series arc uh, where we go through like first or second edition again, like full on with the books. Like Only I, if you're I, I a would, bard. I would, I would, I would be, I, we would, none of us would be able to be a bard. <laughs> or a monk. You would, would not, be a monk was atrocious at low level. Good God. That would be super fun. But um, with the bard, it's built into the class itself. And... The Chris, as you said, the bane of the bard's existence, and this is something we're actually playing with actively in Dragonlance. So the bard, you throw out your inspiration. We've all had it, and it starts at D6, and then it goes to a D, it goes to a D, goes to a D12, and you're like, this is awesome, and you're like, I would like to get grant inspiration with my bonus action to, you know, to <laughs> Steve over there, and Steve is not remembering that he has like a D10, but. Also, it's only for the next 10 minutes, too. That's the thing with the bard skill. It's the next 10 minutes. DM, is, DM inspiration lasts for the whole goddamn campaign. You got in level one, and you're fighting Tiamat. I have that inspiration that I never burned, guys, right? So what we started to play with was... Playing the long game. Um, which we're still kind of seeing if it's too powerful in a way, even though I don't really like those things, because I think you can always adjust the game. As Thorne used to say, we have dragons at our fingertips. So, like, you know, you can always make things harder. But the new bard from the one D&D write-ups that they've been doing, I'm, I'm losing the name here, but there's there are little write-ups of some of the new class features. They have it where the bard can do it at, not as a bonus action, but as a reaction. So, Tony, when uh, Sir William is swinging and he can't do it, and you look over and Chris goes, inspiration with Rasguedo, that's a very powerful tool to utilize where you're now working in in teamwork with this where you're granting it as a reaction not even on your turn you know and the person can use it right then they don't got to remember you don't got to give them one of your d6s over here okay i'm going to put this on your character sheet just yeah. remember that's what it's uh, yeah. right yeah <laughs> all the tricks we but have. it's and it's more like inspiration right like inspiration is something like i was inspired and then i went and did something and then i came back later and i was you know that inspiration should have some sort of instantaneous quality to it where all of a sudden you're inspired and you do something right. Like I yeah, think, when yeah. I like, when I listen back because it, it comes into my head and I listen back to like lay Miz or something like I'm fucking inspired, dude. Like it's happening right now. And I remember it for more than 10 minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> now that really does make the bard feel like he is buffing the players. Like, they really have that moment where, particularly some characters, just based on their design, you're going to tank certain saving throws. Like, Sir William does not have dexterity proficiency. Odds are, if I can make no a dexterity did. check, no I, yeah, that's, it's facts. I'm going to blow that saving throw. So, that's and a you're in full plate armor. So, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. But it's part of it's part of the bard thing. I'll say as playing a bard is that there's a very specific area there and inspiration is really it's a support class. Like you're not gonna be getting you're not gonna be dropping fireballs on people. Eventually you will, but you're going to be playing by making sure that you're paying attention to your teammates and getting them going. So it's very I think the reaction inspiration is a beautiful idea. I think that's one of the, the, the tweaks that they're making that makes a lot of sense as far as that. 
But then what do you guys think about something like uh, like one time magic items or blessings, right? As some another form of inspiration or reward or boon where you get something you can use once. It's a plus, you know, you get advantage on constitution saves or a plus one on a swing or something like that that you can use later. So first, first, the uh, the bard is, I would say, uh, is the ultimate buff class. Like that is literally what you are built to do. Like my bard Roderick, who is now level 20. Uh, we took him all the way up through, and he's still not done. He is like he's powerful, but yes, not in a not in a toe to toe kind of way, right? No, but, like a wizard, right? It's a little different. But I'm gonna throw this one right to Tony because uh, Chris, I want you, I want your uh, thoughts on it because you did some of this stuff when we were in the Tomb of Annihilation game. Uh, but Tony, you this is like your wheelhouse. Uh, you do it especially in in the Journey to Ragnarok campaign where we get certain things. For that session, like for this adventure, you have X, Y, Z. And I think that's exactly what Chris is talking about. Kind of. I think it's a beautiful mechanic. Go ahead, Tim. Yeah. So I kind of feel out like and this is where I have, look at scenes. I particularly do this when someone has a clever idea or there's some really good role play. That's why I encourage like, what are we doing on our watches? Well, this is an opportunity to get some of the players who are less forthright with their complicated backstory that they created to share it with everybody so we can get to really know these characters, you know, so we can build this teamwork, all that great stuff. And I give them something I feel is a good reward for that session. So that's independent of any other rewards. I mean, really, what is an inspiration? But it's essentially a reward. You can't give people, uh, you know, just pile them with magic items and gold and XP and all these opportunities where they deserve something because that'll get quickly unbalancing, even for me. And like, I like to push things really to, you know, 11. But this, yeah, this but is much safer. Tony, you would be giving things like you get plus one to initiative for the rest of your, on top of your initiative, plus one to it and things like that. Like these were not small potato this wasn't five karma get thrown at you right these were these were significant things that changed the the nature of the character for a while well, what's what's great about a temporary boon so to speak is that say i overpower something i say i give everybody you know something that's really wildly you know broken like you're recharging your third level spells you know per encounter for example right just something like that or everybody got an extra attack something like really like you're like good god well, guess what? Then the session's gone. Like, I haven't train wrecked the continuity of the game where now you're fighting a bunch of knights who also need to have three attacks to, you know, be challenging for you. You're not Cuisinarting them all to pieces. That's a very good test bed for whether or not this is a me broken mechanic or something, right? Like, you drop something in there and you're like, well, never going to use that one again. Just toss that on the pile, right? And other ones you are like, oh, that was kind of <laughs> fun, right? <laughs> like, Advantages on all saving throws. Yeah. Uh. So Tony, in this in a similar way, but unfortunately, I didn't tie it with any reward, and that's where I, you know, I really am am trying to uh, to study that because it was it's a great thing that you do because I would have loved to do it more in especially the Dragonlance campaign because it's a current one because I do a lot. There's a lot of character building and character arcs that are currently happening. We've talked at length about that. Things like the narrative side stories. Everyone is tied in and has their own different motivations and and things that they want to do and things that are happening in the world and it's great and it's really building very very fleshed out characters but and i will check in like what are you guys doing around you know the the campfire and what are you doing here and who you're talking and there's a lot that's coming out in terms of role play but i haven't tied any 
bonuses at all to it in terms of an inspiration for this session or a plus one and kind of build that way kind of like the plus five karma thing right this little finite thing but as you said it's an ability to throw it out okay we see how that goes during the session and then i just it gets pulled back um and chris you did something very similar and i actually took it and started to utilize it in some of my games uh used in the tomb of annihilation game you started to play one I wanted you to, to talk about the the blessings that we started to do to kind of give a sense, as Tony has said, the the hook for that adventure is is that's a he- that's the heaviest lift. You know, your first level, go out into the jungle and face the lich, right? Um, but he's got an you, army. Yeah, but you tied it in through Ubtau and the blessings as we kind of started to find the jungle and stuff like that. So it was good. But one thing you did was you started to introduce like the campfire tales idea. Mm-hmm where it's, what are you talking about? Or, hey, tell me something about this. Or you had the mechanic, and but explain it more, but like with like the short rests and things like that. Yeah, I mean, it was, I'll give the credit, that one I got through Dungeon Crate. There was a little one-card like thing that you could use, and it had a section called Campfire Tales, and it was related to the Tomb of Annihilation because it's like a hex crawl. And so I was doing where you can't um, long rest while you're in the jungle. Which actually works really good with the exploration thing. You keep them short resting outside of civilization. Uh, But the problem is that there's a level of player enjoyment and just general survival that you need a way to be able to boon them. So at the end of every day, you'd have a section where you'd go and have campfire tales. And the party could choose from one or five or six different things. It was like cook a meal or sing a song or whatever. And you could gain inspiration or you can gain some extra temporary hit points some boons of resistance to cold for the next day or something like that. Similar to kind of how Tony's things work, where it was a lot of them were like over the next day you have this or something like that due to what you did at night there. But it worked very nicely with that. And it worked nicely with a a situation where you're managing that short rest, long rest thing. Cause that it's too many long rests just turns you into superheroes. Like the like when you're out exploring in the jungles of Chul, it should be um, difficult. You should be a little tired and thing. And this worked nicely as a way to keep spellcasters going. We added a little boon for uh, Thorin's, uh, like the artificer guy, so that you could convert some of the stuff into spell slots because he wasn't getting recharges on short rests. So he would have to travel like, you know, five sessions into the jungle on like three spell slots or something like that. Yeah, so. it was, it was definitely, uh, it was a little more punitive towards spellcasters. Uh, for me though, I mean, not playing, I was kind of a half spellcaster being a ranger. So I still had some level of martial ability and actually a lot. Cause I was a gift with a freaking musket. Right. So, so that was pretty awesome, but he was a cool uh, character. One of these times, Roosevelt will will return. I actually thought that that was I, the thing is is it was not understood like session zero pregame, right? But something like that where you had that this you you were you were playing out a new mechanic like we've talked about how to do a hex crawl well so that it's actually enjoyable. It makes sense. It's not just okay. Let me roll on the d20 to see what random encounter shows up. Did you roll your perception? Like, make it a little more immersive, right? And to tell you the truth, I think that that's great if the players understand and when they're going in, because that makes sense. Like, at some point, you're going to be so withered that, you know, it's going to it's gonna be affected. But you adjusted that, as opposed to the way I was using Campfire Tales, which was not in terms of boons and inspirations and stuff, but ways of story prompts to have the players start to interact, which is 
excellent. But then, like Tony, you did, you then you you tacked onto it, and because of that, and you saw the shooting star, or you saw the this whale that breached out of the water, or whatever it might be, you're gaining an inspiration for the rest of the adventure. You're gaining a plus one to initiative. You're gaining something, you know. One of the reasons surrounding it that, that I did that is because I want the world to feel real. And I didn't want everyone to walk away from that session and go, well, okay, so we traveled a lot, took some naps, fought a couple fights, and got to the cave. Like that, that was absolutely the opposite. I want that to have that degree of, of a deeper immersion. So I created some background things that I felt certain characters would, cat, would catch their eye, their attention, their interest, and that would draw them in. Now, to do a fast comparison and contrast with Jungle to Cholt and uh, Dragonlance, both of those games, we were, and even in Ragnarok, we're doing a lot of traveling. I don't know how this happened, but that really became the focus. Now, Jungle's a Cholt, that is what we signed up for. But in the other our games, it was really about a, we're going on this perilous journey. Now, in Cholt and in Ragnarok, you know, in, in the jungles, you're facing this bitter, blistering heat versus the freezing cold of, of the Viking North. Um, while uh, Dragonlance doesn't necessarily have that, but it has different hazards. In those places where they have the severe like environmental hazards, it's a more fertile ground for us to give out boons. Where like you know, Chris is like, okay, see, everyone's good on food, especially for the next four days, because that was a problem. Or like water is now replenished for an extra you know three days. That's a good reward. Wouldn't work as well as Dragonlance. You'd have to give something more tangible and say you have, you know, plus one to hit on your after a critical. Well, that's what I was. That's exactly what I was doing in Dragonlance. So that's a time where I actually did start to tack on some level of inspiration that would tie into the story uh, as you journeyed up into the northern wastes and you're on your way to the city of lost names and you're tracking Soth and the Dragon Army and all of this. So what I did was because. You wanted to get the sense of the City of Lost Names and its importance and what it was and the story behind it and why the Dragon Army is so focused on it. And it had to do with the gods uh, back before the fall of Istar, and it's all tied into that. I don't want to say too many things in case people are, are wanting to play it. But what I did was I tied in because, in essence, the city in the long ago time blew up, let's say. And scatters its bits across what is now known as the Northern Wastes. So what I did is I took, okay, well, this was an area of all the worship of the gods, this beautiful uh, ancient civilization with all this technology and magic. So I blew it up and I had different gods and like their like ruins and pieces of their temples and their statuary throughout the Northern Wastes that you could come upon during your travels in different hexes, as we've talked about with our the hex scroll mechanic that we're playing with in that game. And with that, you would gain certain things that were similar to the god. Like, so when you came upon a, a statue, a former statue, a piece of it, of Mishakal, it was like coming upon the head and arm of the Statue of Liberty, like that kind of thing, <laughs> right? blew it up. Yeah. Yeah. But you would you gained like the benefits of a long rest and things like that. And then I could also tie it into, you know, like, for instance, Scott's character, Eva, who is a cleric of Mishakal. So it could be story stuff, too. But that's where bonuses were tacked on. Or you came to Kiri Joleth and you gained like a plus one to your attacks for that that day. So very similar. Like I pretty much just lifted it off of what Tony's done in the Ragnarok game. 
Yeah, no, it is similar kind of with the like blessings and charms. It's something that you can use. So you can give people powerful and kind of like Tony was saying earlier with the uh, testing things out. I give you a one-time magic item. Well, even if I blew it and it was a really horrible thing or the blessing is too powerful, you only use it once and then it goes away. So it's a good way to reward people. Uh, people love magic items and magic things. So I thought the charms were kind of neat that way is that you could give somebody something similar to what we're all, you know, kind of talking about just for this one time use. So here, hold on to this whenever you need it. It's uh, you can cast fireball once or something like that. You do that very well, that Chris. Out, but, you know. Well, not that one, but like in a Wednesday night game, you've got a lot of these one these you find these one charge items that have a cool benefit. It's like you know, use it or lose. Here it is, smoke it if you got them. But um, you know, you found a magic, and this could really help you at some point. And it's you you have the agency. You say when. What are some of the things, Chris? I'm not. Uh... I'm not, I mean, you can do different, I mean, so oh, the, uh, the one-time magic items, things like uh, bracelets that you can do to cast, uh, you know, I don't know, like the color spray one time, right? And then the bracelet loses its magic or you can, yeah, a helmet that lets you cast attack thoughts once and then it sort of loses its magic. So it's something you can hold on to then and use, but it's not like I give you a helmet that cast detect thoughts all the time. Well, shit, now you can detect all these thoughts and I have to deal with it. If it, <laughs> if it turns out to be too powerful, right? I know that you only do it that once and I'm like, well, I'm never giving him a helmet detect thoughts. Uh-uh. <laughs> so yeah, so taking taking item stuff and turning it much more into consumables. Yeah, yeah just a basically a consumable thing. So it's very simple. It's easy. It's a good reward, right? It's like an inspiration. I could do something cool with it. And then it's sort of done. And it's, you know, I can still get cool magic items that are persistent, but these are just little things that I can give out in every session, right? Or, you know, as many sessions as I can, like, to kind of keep it. So you're you're constantly getting stuff, just not all of it is um, the really, you know, the long-term stuff. Yeah, the, the finiteness of the resources, as we've talked about with all kinds, I mean, food and water, too, but as we've all experienced, like, there's only a certain level that characters really want to be, you know, tracking food and water and things like that like it's it's fun and it's in it's an interesting take on it but you know the fine but the finiteness of of magical resources and and luck resources and heroic you know abilities and the ability to change fates and, and all of that kind of pulp action stuff but making it a consumable making it finite so it doesn't just completely you know a holy avenger is just always a holy avenger so right Static. Now, so introduce that in the game because they're awesome, but you've now introduced that into your game, right? It's It makes me think of um, – I was watching a uh, a Dungeon Craft uh, video that Professor Dungeon Master came out with, Dan, and he, he was talking about rolling dice, and he was talking about, you know, when you're rolling dice in the game – you are inviting chaos into your game. So if you don't want to invite chaos into your game – don't roll the die like only do that if you're like let's see what happens here you know and it seems so simple and it seems like such a well of course but it's amazing how you don't realize that because we roll dice so much but you're constantly inviting chaos in with magic items and magic and and inspirations and things well not inspirations much but you know it you're inviting something in so if it's something that is a consumable it's a one-off, a two-off, a five-off. Okay, I can deal with that much chaos. If now the face of the planet has changed, okay, well, that's a little different now. 
Yeah, when Scar gets the Sun Sword, all of a sudden it's like <laughs> it changes the when lens I, of the when game. When I the, as I've said it multiple times, I pulled the Taraka. I wanted to play with the randomness of the Taraka deck because I was I loved the idea that you could play Curse of Strahd. 25 times and every time the taraka reading changes a little it changes the directory everything is still kind of the same but the trajectory of the campaign might change so prior to this the campaign i did a taraka reading myself so that i could be ready to introduce this to the characters and the sun sword happened to get pulled at the crossroads graveyard which you you get to like Right before you hit, um, not so like a pass, right before you hit the Sir Pool and Madame Haven's encampment. So they're doing the reading, and Thorne at the time, Phineas's character, he goes, oh, I think that was just right, like, 100 <laughs> yards back. And you guys were, like, level four or three. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Yeah. And you now, the Sun Sword. Amazing how much it changes the complete trajectory of the campaign as you have a lightsaber, right? Yeah, like I, they causes sunlight in an area where sunlight hurts everything. That was something that was I, I could see was a struggle for you to have to deal with and keep track of. You're like, wait, is it is it shining? All right, hold on, let me adjust. It's surprising <laughs> how Strahd would allow that to just be buried there. I did find a magic weapon in that campaign until level eight. <laughs> Okay. It was. So, yeah. I felt. Like, I, I felt good and bad for the entire time then, because I'm swinging like a lightsaber and everybody's like, like, have to travel across the entirety of Barovia I'm to get there. I'm my weapons. Sorry. It's like I'm dusting. We're digging that out. I'm like, what is this? It's a fender. What's buried here? It's a Ferrari. Here it is. <laughs> there you go, buddy. Um, and that was cool. All these boons kind of like to me ring of a certain other in-game reward, which are disposable that we don't, or at least in our group, we don't haven't used as much like back in the day. They're potions. This gives you like really the ability to really take yeah. anything that fit into a potion and spread it across the board. So you're, there's really you're not limited by how a consumable would affect you. But I mean, any of these boons could essentially have all these abilities, and you could you know move them around and give them a different you know, send them to the, the players in different venues so they can enjoy them. And, you know, you could just use that mechanic. You don't have to create anything else per se. You could be like, ah, you're praying at this altar and you're infused with giant strength. Da, 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 you know, but it's got a duration. Yeah, you've done that, uh, Tony, um, where you, in essence, gain the uh, the benefits of what a potion would do, but it's from some, you, like you said, you're praying at the altar and you receive this this boon, that's just like a potion of flying or a potion of clairvoyance or whatever, but you don't have to sit there and drink it and like, is this an action or a bonus action? What's happening here? <laughs> a little Do bit I of fun. The whole bottle. <laughs> that, that, the trivia, earlier editions, you could stack drinking potions. This, and then, and then like I would I would then have point. to yeah. I would I would make you roll some weird con save to see if like it starts to have like a, a magic race war in your stomach right? there was some deep rules where you could explode and in the comic the night's dinner table one of the characters dr drank this potion of heroism and he's like they're like knuckles he already had five potions who knows what could happen and he rolled like a he basically did an oppenheimer and he like nuked everybody <laughs> it was a mushroom cloud he killed this whole party everybody died the good guys the bad guys See, that's a good argument against boons right there. You got to be careful. Well, you, <laughs> Your buddy could explode in a yeah, an Oppenheimer-like potion mishap. These untested uh, magical effects. 
All right. I think it's probably getting about that time, though, for final thoughts. So uh, we kind of like we said, we both we we jumped off of Mike Shea's article over at Sly Forge on the luck system into uh, how we play with inspiration and some other mechanics too to to make the game our own. So final thoughts. So when you're throwing out a in-game reward uh, temporary, we're talking about the particular temporary ones, inspiration ones. You want to have a good feel of your players, the room, and what kind of fits. So for example, if I gave somebody a uh, a plus three bonus to their arcana. You know, certain players who are trying to complete research who are really into that might really dig it. And other players who get a plus three to a skill, they're like, yay, I could jump a little higher. It won't be as well received. So try to keep that in mind. And what's great about these type of rewards are that they're not going to stick around forever. So if you botch, okay, we're like, wow, that was really overpowered. Like we really kicked the crap out of that boss. And then it's gone. No harm, no foul. Yeah, no, hell yeah. I think if your um, inspiration is cool, powerful tool, if you're using it to table, make sure, like uh, we were talking about earlier, hand out D6s, hand out visual indicators, get things out so people know that they have inspiration there so they know how to use it. I mean, uh, investigate things like don't use them a pool of inspiration, which I think is a kind of neat idea as far as a party resource thing. Everyone can kind of pull from this. So you could. Uh, if, if, you know, if George is having a really hard time, maybe he pulls a couple extra there, but you make it through and everybody has a good time with it and it's not a thing there. And I mean, I think temporary boons are super awesome. You always want to give out something. You always want to reward your players at the end of a session or something like that. So a temporary boon, charms, blessings, one-time magic items are a way to pepper your campaign with stuff without literally giving out sun swords and holy avengers and all these things and being stuck with high power things throughout the whole campaign it's a good way to reward people and keep it fun and keep it under control i like the 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 idea of the luck system and obviously it's already starting to get our juices flowing in terms of how it could be utilized uh and we kind of made some of those those comparisons to the karma system and then you know tony was even starting to build off of the luck system with like a karma system in D D. so like that's something that we'll explore down the road uh one of the things i do like about something like the luck system though like i said earlier the power differential so in the early editions of the game and even now too a lot of it is on the dm that they can they can gift you with these things which is cool but at the same point, that is the DM is is gifting you. It's bequeathing to you. So that power differential can be funny. So if it's something like the luck system in the mechanic of the game, in the role of the dice that is independent of anyone's judgment on it and you get something, that's kind of cool because that just makes it happen. And in the luck system, I miss or I, I miss a, I, I whiff a saving throw. I get something from that. Tony, I didn't say it during the thing, but it's similar to when in the Curse of Strong campaign with Hawk, where I had built into the wrestling system the idea of performance points. Um, I can't remember exactly where I, I got this idea kind of from somewhere and cobbled it together. But every time you rolled a nat 20, you gained performance points and you could have this store of them. And the performance points were the way that you could do like the special wrestling moves, the DDT or the pile drive, the leg drop, right? <laughs> So you like when you would roll in that 20, you were just checking off how many you could hold at a time, whatever. So that was something similar where it was the mechanic of the game and the dice that allowed it. It wasn't me going, oh, you did something good. Here's five karma. Here's a DM inspiration. Here's performance points. You just get it. 
So I like that. The the evening of the playing field. I am also a big fan, as we all seem to be, of the one-time uses, the one-game uses, the consumable nature of something, a boon, an inspiration, magic, whatever it might be. I was using it in the Dragonlance campaign where if you came upon certain uh, relics of the past, it gave you story about the gods and the return to Kryn, but it also gave you the benefits of a long rest. It gave you plus one to attack rolls for the game, uh, something that I had taken from some of Tony's work in Ragnarok. I, uh, Like I said, I love stacking inspiration. Uh, I don't see why not. Uh, it gives the players a, a pool, Chris, kind of like you were saying, with the pool of resources, which I like, too. It's like that idea of the team pool. That's that's fun. There's something because then that that creates a level of cooperativeness, uh, cooperation along the table, too, which I think is nice. Uh, and so far, I'm a huge fan of the new bard thing, which allows a reaction. I think it makes the bards. That's super cool. Yeah, it makes it actually matter because. Anyone who's played a bard, man, you realize how much it really oftentimes doesn't matter because by the time they need to use it, it's gone. And that's just like, what's the point? Like, you feel like you have this big buff thing and it's just like everybody forgets about you. And that feels like crap. So (laughs) anyway, obviously, though, you know, if you're going to have to be you're handing out all these inspirations and all these extra roles that people get. You're going to need some dice, so go over to our affiliate link at Fanroll Dice. That's fanrolldice.com slash R-E-F slash 2871. Uh, you get 10% off your order. Uh, they got some really cool dice over there, so go check them out. Obviously, this was not a question from a listener, but it was a question that we kind of took from another wise DM, Mike Shea over at Sly Forge. But if you are a... If you are a DM with problems at your table, we are DMs with problems. We love talking about them. Send them in to us. You can get us at threewisedms.com in the What's Your Problem field. Uh, you can go to threewisedms at gmail.com and get to us directly. Obviously, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we are very, very active on all those channels. So that's going to be it for this week. And as we do each episode, we are going to let our dear old erstwhile leader take us out. And listeners, thank you again for listening. We can't wait to see you on the next episode of Three Wise DMs. If you want to talk to us before then, as I said earlier, you can email us at threewisedms at gmail.com. You can talk to us through the What's Your Problem field on our website. Also, leave a comment on our articles. We'd love to hear what you think of them. And you can talk to us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review in your podcast platform of choice. Share it with your friends. Uh, tell them what you think you like about it. And, yeah, just do whatever you can to, 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 to help spread the word. We've been growing by leaps and bounds. That's because of you, and we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time on Three Wise DMs. Thank you.